We Do Hope is the official podcast of the Witness to Witness program, a program of Migrant Clinicians Network endorsed by the American Family Therapy Academy. We serve providers who work with historically marginalized communities, providing resources to support each other to sustain reasonable hope. These podcasts offer easy to apply tools to challenging issues, recognizing that time and bandwidth are limited. Dr. Weingarten is a clinical and community psychologist with over 50 years of experience who values straight talk. Join us today. Hi, folks. Welcome back to We Do Hope, a Witness to Witness podcast. I'm Pamela Sakata, Witness to Witness Program Manager. I'm here with my colleagues, Moses Arjona, Jessica Calderon, and Dr. Kato Weingarten. Today, during our last episode of this mini-series, we are going to be chatting about reasonable hope what it is, and how to sustain it during challenging times. So I'll go ahead and start, Dr. Weingarten. What is, why is hope important? Well, you know, um, I would say that for many people uh, all over the world, um, not just in Western culture where we're situated, where we're doing this podcast, hope is considered essential for well-being. Now, some people disagreed. In fact, uh, a famous philosopher, Nietzsche, said hope is the worst of evils because it prolongs the torments of men. He meant people. But it turns out that a great deal of research has showed how significant uh, hope is and the number of advantages it confers on people who are hopeful. People who are hopeful are much better at problem solving, much better at managing challenging situations, even coping with illness and disability. But as we know, although people want to be hopeful under really difficult circumstances, it can be very hard to come up with a hopeful feeling. What is reasonable hope? So, you know, when we think about hope, mostly we do think about hope as a feeling. And then you say to yourself, either I can be hopeful in this situation, I have hope, I am hopeful, or I can't summon up hope, I just can't do it. And so as I was thinking about it, and it was, uh, you know, I'm a clinician. I worked with individuals, couples, and families for over 50 years. And I absolutely noticed that sometimes it precisely the moment when it would have been most helpful uh, for the people I was consulting with to feel hopeful, they just couldn't summon it. And once I was talking with a, a woman who had uh, two little children, and she had had a uh, initial diagnosis of cancer. She'd done very well. And then it came back, and it came back as a brain metastasis. She was absolutely devastated and really depressed. And in talking with her, she was saying, I just feel so, you know, not only am I afraid I'm dying, I feel terrible because I know how important it is for my health to be hopeful, and I'm not hopeful. And I said to her, you know, maybe it's not your responsibility right now. Maybe it's the responsibility of your community 
to do hope for you precisely because you can't manage it yourself. And she, you know, kind of sat back and said, wow, that's a really different way of thinking about it. And then we talked some more and we said, well, you know, what kind of hope is reasonable to do or have people do with you? And it was in that conversation that I came up with the idea of reasonable hope. So, you know, the the kind of classic imagery that goes along with hope is like uh, there's a rainbow or it's a butterfly. And that kind of sets up expectations that something, you know, is really going to be wonderful. It might be unattainable, but in the future, something's going to happen. And I felt like that isn't going to really work for most people. That Reasonable hope is something where we just are trying to make sense of what's happening now in the belief that this prepares us to meet what lies ahead. So, you know, then I developed some ideas about characteristics of reasonable hope, which I think is a way of kind of defining what I mean by it. Why did you uh, modify the concept of reasonable hope? So I, th I think, you know, the reason why I modified it really was what I kind of um, came to in the conversation uh, with this woman, uh, which was that the idea of hope was huge and in front of her and it seemed unattainable. Where once we started talking about, well, what is reasonable? hope? What could it be? She felt, oh, yes, that is something I, I can do with other people. So maybe to say something about um, characteristics uh, is also a way of kind of making sense of it. So it really is a practice. It's something we do with other people. It's a verb, not a noun. And it's not so much about accomplishing a goal it's about aiming toward it. And when you switch from the idea of hope happens when you accomplish a goal to doing hope with other people is aiming towards something you want, it becomes much more manageable for people. So that would be one, I think it's a characteristic, but it also is the reason why I modified the idea of hope to reasonable hope. So you're mentioning these characteristics. Are there any other characteristics of reasonables that you can share with us? There are. So another one is that sometimes, again, or I'll just use the example of, of the woman who um, had a brain metastatic lesion. Um, in a way, it was precisely because I could say to her, you know, no one can tell the future. The future is unknown. That that's where reasonable hope lay for her. And as it happened, she was somebody who lived another 15 years. Um, it's so reasonable hope maintains that the future is unknown and therefore we can influence it. 
there are other characteristics. We Reasonable hope is kind of identifying a goal and the pathway to reaching that goal, even if the goal and the pathway to it isn't the, the ultimate goal of what we want to achieve, but it's something along the way. And so with reasonable hope, sometimes we have to be satisfied with less than what we want in order to ensure that we get some of what we want. And then finally, I think one of the other really important ideas that is connected to reasonable hope is that you know, you can feel despair and hope at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. And with reasonable hope, that becomes pretty clear that you can have doubts and have reasonable hope. You know, people are complicated and we can embrace those contradictions, what seems like a contradiction. I think it's not. I mean, I think people feel different things at different moments. So how can we, how can people sustain it? it it's kind of hard, you know, thinking about it, but how, what do you suggest? What are, what are the recommendations? So I think that um, one thing that probably all of us recognize is that when we feel hopeless, it's, there's a tendency to want to withdraw. But I think in order to sustain reasonable hope, we really have to kind of push ourselves to resist isolation. And we really want to try to join with other people. I think a second thing, and this is something we talk about a lot at the Witness to Witness program is there's a big difference between something that's small and something that's trivial. So we're not trying for a perfect solution. We're trying to be open to solutions, practices that are good enough. And so a small action may have ripples out that we can't possibly predict and those ripple effects can be very important down the road. I think it's important to welcome joy as much as possible when we want to sustain hope. It's like being open to these little small things that give us joy, give us pleasure, whether it's, you know, uh, watching an ant crawl across my computer or you know, watching a, a petal of a flower fall off, you know, small things can produce these moments of joy. And I think that helps us sustain hope. I think another part is that, um, you know, sometimes when we're not feeling uh, hopeful, but we know other people are feeling hopeful or could be hopeful about us or our situation, we can, um, I'd say enjoy or be sustained by vicarious hope. So it's kind of like drafting on their hope. And uh, I think that's important. I think that when we look for people who are courageous, that helps 
sustain our hope. I think the arts can be inspirational. And um, I think resisting what's unjust, naming it, I think those are also practices that help us sustain reasonable hope. So those are, those are my ideas about what characterizes it, what sustains it, and it's really important. And I believe that not everyone can do it on their own, but that actually everyone can do it with other people. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Ryan. This has been a great uh, discussion. Thank you, uh, Jessica and Moses and our listeners for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this mini series and found the topics and the suggestions provided were easy to apply tools. During this time, we're in our bandwidth, bandwidth as, health, as healthcare workers. Frankly, in all our roles is limited. We at Witness to Witness program and at FCN wish you well. This has been a great discussion. Thank you, Kata, Jessica, and Moses, and our listeners for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this mini series and found the topics and the suggestions provided were easy to apply tools during this time when our bandwidth as healthcare workers, frankly, in all our roles, is limited. We at Witness to Witness program at MCN wish you well. The production of this podcast was supported by grant number U3FCS41780 from the Health Resources and Services Administration of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Its contents are solely the responsibility of Migrant Clinicians Network, Inc., and do not necessarily represent the official views of the HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.